Hi, I'm Sam Smeltzer, and I'm an HR healer, and you're listening to The Heart of It Podcast, where we chat about what's at the heart and matters most in the world of HR, the people. And in this episode, I am so pumped. I mean, I get to talk to all kinds of guests, and I'm so incredibly grateful. But when I learned about this woman, I could not wait. And I had to wait two months to record my interview with her and be introduced to her formally. And so I watched her on LinkedIn all that time. And she is doing amazing work, work that really connects to what I believe is really integral to us as HR practitioners. So I cannot wait to share Amy Lynn Durham with you and this concept of spiritual intelligence. That's right. We've been talking about physical intelligence, emotional intelligence. Let's get to the epitome, the piece that is missing this concept of spiritual intelligence, SQ. And Amy is here to share it with us today. But before we get there, I feel like I need to remind you about this awesome new small group cohort virtual coaching program that's coming on April 14th. I'm going to have a 12 p.m. and a 7 p.m. live live coaching. This is live coaching, not just video, live sessions with me in these small groups, 12 p.m., 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, all around removing disengagement, the detox, those toxins that are resulting in you disengaging from your work. Learn more at leadershipisart.com slash detox. And I look forward to seeing you in that program. Now it's time to officially kick off this conversation with the amazing Amy Lynn Durham. Let's do this. there and thank you for listening to this episode of the heart of a podcast i am so glad that you're joining us for this conversation and i have to say that this is a conversation i'm really excited to share with you uh, because i hope or wish that one day there are more practitioners hanging out in this space but uh before i talk about her let me have her say hello to all of you. So my guest today is Amy Lynn Durham. And Amy, you want to say hi to the listeners? Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me, Sam. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Yeah. So do you want to kind of tell people a little bit about the work that you do and how you're different than some of the other practitioners, which might give a hint as to why I'm so excited? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So uh, I'm an executive coach and my focus is on spiritual intelligence in the workplace and helping individuals develop the 21 skills that are associated with that for the workplace. Yeah. I, uh, I went to the UC Berkeley Executive Coaching Institute and that's where I got my executive uh, coaching certification. And then I went on from there to work on SQ, that's what we call it, in the workplace. Yeah. Did you uh, know that you wanted to focus on SQ when you were doing that executive coaching program? I did. So what what happened was I was working personally on my own spiritual intelligence. Mm -hmm. And then when I went to the Berkeley Coaching Institute, they sort of helped me combine what who I was at home with Mm -hmm. who I am at work. So the old Amy 
was the corporate Amy that kind of kept her SQ skills maybe hidden at home till maybe the last year I was in the corporate space before I left my job because I did all those field tested activities that are in my book <laughs> with my employees before I left to kind of help them develop their emotional intelligence and their spiritual intelligence. But it's been quite a journey after that. Um, discovering the 21 skill sets from Cindy Wigglesworth has been huge because it kind of grounds us down and gives us something tangible to work on. And it was exactly what I was looking for to help people. So it's really cool. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so I guess before we go any further, can mm -hmm. we like talk about and just define this spiritual intelligence? Because I know for many of the listeners, we've heard about EQ. Um, this one, I could say for HR practitioners, I guarantee a lot of them have not heard. So can you uh, enlighten us as to what what is this spiritual intelligence and how does it what it, what component does it add to the workplace? Yeah. So uh, basically, if you think of a, a pyramid, kind of like Maslow's hierarchy. Think of maybe the bottom foundation with PQ, physical intelligence, the next one IQ, then the next one EQ, and then the top of the pyramid SQ, spiritual intelligence. So the way I like to describe it is your physical intelligence is kind of like, well, I was born and I need to learn how to crawl, I need to learn how to eat, I need to learn how to take care of my body, etc. Then you go into IQ where it's like, okay, I need to learn maybe some basic skill sets like math and reading. Mm -hmm. Then in the adult development theory, sort of around your early 20s, your brain is actually really available to develop compassion. And that's where emotional intelligence can really start flourishing. Mm -hmm. And then you get to SQ by way of EQ. So SQ is the top of that pyramid you've explored EQ, you have some self-awareness of your emotions, you have an emotional management strategy, you know that you can create connections with people, but now let's take it to the next level. Let's go into, can I make compassionate and wise decisions no matter what's going on in my life? Can I sustain faith during difficult times? Can I be a calm and healing presence? And those are skill sets <laughs> that as a leader, especially now uh, within organizations that you, I mean, I say you have to work on, <laughs> but I mean, some people think they don't. And one thing I do want to add is kind of the overall definition of spiritual intelligence is um, maintaining inner and outer peace, regardless of the situation. And I laugh every time I share that definition. That's from Cindy Wigglesworth with Deep Change because it's a tall order for us to maintain inner and outer peace regardless of the situation. And I don't think we should beat ourselves up if we can't do that. I think that it's a nice goal to work towards every day. And as you work towards that huge definition with all of these skill sets, you'll uncover a lot of things within yourself that you'll be able to work through and develop even more as a leader. So kind of a yeah. lengthy thing I went into there, but. No, yeah. I mean, that's a, a great definition. So, you know, one of the things that I know comes to mind, because one of the leadership theories that we hear a lot about is servant leadership. Mm -hmm. um, and so how does that, you know, when you're talking about faith and 
So how does that differ from the spiritual intelligence? Can you just kind of flush that out a little bit? Too? Yeah, I love that you brought up servant leadership because I feel like it's a big catch for two words in the, in the corporate yeah. space right now. But some people, like, what does that mean? You, if you're a leader and you tell the, your, you know, your other leaders on your team, I need you to be a servant leader, can you define what that means and what you're telling your, your team? to behave in a certain way. Like, I don't think some people, okay, I'll be a servant leader. Like before we came on this show today, I was like, okay, I'm going to show up and serve. So that was a great reminder for me that I'm here for you. I'm here for your audience. But the cool thing about SQ is that it's faith neutral. So you can be agnostic. You can be atheist. It doesn't matter. As long as you believe that you have a place within you that you can access that's a higher wisdom that's a place from wisdom compassion love if you can access that space within yourself that's sq and then you can work on these 21 skills that sort of take you to the next level and i think that that ties into what servant leadership is do you know your values do you know um your worldview those are some so some other questions that we flush out when we go through the 21 skill sets. So, yeah. Well, and I love how you said that it's, you know, faith neutral space because that's the other, you know, when you talk about religion and HR, our, our radar kind of goes <laughs> yeah. up and says, whoa, 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 like, can we talk about that or not talk about that? Although I think that's why I'm so excited about this concept of SQ because, you know, there has been something missing on on the top of that pyramid like getting to eq i could even tell you that there was there's still something that we were not um talking about or adding to the workplace and so i think when um i came across your work and started to because you were my first exposure to this sq concept and as i was diving in i was like oh my gosh like these are the things that we're missing these are those intangibles that we are trying to push leadership towards even more so coming out of 2020 and the things that we have been experiencing yeah i love that because you just have me thinking of all of the and honestly sam i i almost wish I maybe I'll eat my words one day, but I almost wish it wasn't called spiritual intelligence because of the way it hits in the workplace. People think, oh, she's doing something woo woo or she's, you know, this is religion. We can't talk about it because we, you know, we don't want to go there. But then when you dive deeper, it's basically accessing your higher self and that place within you that operates from wisdom, compassion and love. And it gives you an opportunity to set your day-to-day concerns aside or your what we say your ego aside and work mm-hmm. from that higher space. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, faith neutral for sure. <laughs> so when you talk about working from this higher uh, space, this, uh, you know, version of your higher self, you know, tapping into that, what is that mm-hmm. like? feel like, look like experience, because I know people do jump to my backgrounds in Chinese medicine. So I see the woo jump all fairly frequently. Um, and we have to go back to like the tangible, like what is, cause I find that a lot of people who are in tune and already have this kind of naturally happening, they're experiencing what it's like, even if it's just little traces of it or whispers, but what are we talking about? Like, are, 
Are we seeing things? Are we like, what what happens when we're tapping into this <laughs> higher level of intelligence for ourselves? You know, can you give us a taste of what that's like? Yeah, oh, it's so nice. <laughs> uh, so I use the polyvagal theory a lot. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's no. neuros, it's neuroscience and it sort of teaches you, like with my clients, or when I do group coaching, I talk about red, yellow, green. And it's just an easy, quick way to reference how you're feeling. So red is when you're shut down and when they say you've gone dorsal. So you're trying, like biologically, you're trying to keep yourself safe. So you're trying to find safety. And then when you get into the yellow space, that's when you're in fight, flight, or freeze. And okay. we get triggered a lot every day <laughs> in, in the workplace a lot as well. And so recognizing when you hit yellow and then green is that space where you're in the zone or maybe when you're meditating or when you're very calm or when you're breathing and your neocortex in your brain has opened up and you have all these creative possibilities. But we can't open that part of our brain if we're sitting in yellow. If we're sitting in that fight, flight or freeze, that's what our amygdala is triggered. Mm -hmm. And that's when we just wanna keep ourselves safe and we can't see a lot of different options. So people say breathe and they, I don't want to breathe. No, breathing actually helps with that. Whatever method you want to use. The, I, I recommend the three, two, four method. You inhale for three seconds, you hold for two, you exhale for four. That scientifically opens up your neocortex in your brain, which is green. There's your green space. There's your higher self. There's where you're accessing where I'm calm. I can see possibilities. I'm not in fight, flight, or freeze. And that has been very helpful because it's quick, it's, e it's an easy recommendation, it's hard work <laughs> because then you have to go off and recognize I'm being triggered, I'm going into fight mode, I'm a fighter. <laughs> when I go into yellow, I get defensive, okay. I, I'm feisty, I'm like, ah, I'm feeling attacked, you know? So then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in yellow. You can even have a safe word with a coworker. Hey, yellow, yellow. And then, okay, let me take a breath, you know? And then yeah. the more you practice it, the more you can get stay in green or the more you can get yourself back to green longer. Um, people that go into, into the fight uh, yellow mode maybe need to go do some exercise or take a walk around the building or something like that. People that flight sometimes just need like a relaxing moment. So there's different things you can dive into from that, but that's one way I use scientifically to explain accessing your higher self. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the transcendental moments that people have where they meditate and they feel like they've accessed their higher self as well. But for the workplace, I like to share the, <laughs> the science and the data and let you take it from there and go meditate and have your own experience. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I love uh, just that theory because when you talk about yellow i mean my gosh we see most of the workplaces functioning in yellow on a regular basis mm -hmm. um, and especially when we have leaders who don't have access to spiritual intelligence they don't know that they're triggering all those phases for their staff at yellow and and so what is that doing to the employee because now you're hearing directly from amy that they're not in green which means you're only getting a portion of their potential um, and the other piece is that I also love when you're talking about the neocortex. The last time I read or heard somebody talking about the neocortex was in Simon Sinek's uh, TED Talk on the why. 
that he's been pushing. And uh, and so the why statement, um, when he's talking about it, comes from this neocortex. It's all about mm. connecting and starting to tap into that um, SQ. So I love how all these things are kind of, this is the waves that we're naturally being attracted to uh, for this next phase and evolution of work and leadership and guidance. And they are all connected, even though we're all using terminology that might be a little bit different, but there is a common ground there. So I love how that's all kind of coming together. Yeah, really cool that, that you noticed that. I haven't seen that. I'll have to watch it. But that's exactly what we're talking about when we say accessing your higher self. Yeah. yeah. So um, as I was reading through your book, I was fascinated by the fact that you were field testing a lot of your activities with a team that you clearly had built uh, a rapport with. Because obviously one of my first questions was like, how do you just go out and, and do this with organizations and like introduce this concept? But it makes sense that you were able to test these with a team that already kind of had a trust dynamic with you to make this leap of faith. Um, and so first off, can you talk about establishing those relationships before you were able to kind of do this work with your team you know what does that look like because you hinted at a little bit that you were on kind of your own journey um mm -hmm. and then you were also kind of i don't know if you were doing the coaching program kind of at that same time but the blend of the two worlds kind of coming together which i think is really pivotal um so from a leader's perspective before you're shifting out to a practitioner level um what did that Talk us through what that kind of looked like with your dynamics with your team and leading them and, and knowing the direction. And what, what do you think are some really critical components that we should kind of take from what you learned back then? So it started with my personal work. So anytime I get a question like that, it's you have to do the work yourself. Because once you do the work yourself and once you see the changes that are made within you and how it's rippling out, you're like, whoa, I need to share this with everybody. And then you move on and then you're not as, I don't want to say the word afraid, but I can't think of anything as afraid to be courageous or to be vulnerable with your team. So definitely start with yourself. That's the 21 skills with SQ that you can dive into. Um, the other thing is connecting with your team, getting to know them personally. What do they do outside of work? Those are easy. I mean, we'll talk, we'll talk about some, e what I say are easy steps, but maybe might be hard for some. So I shouldn't say easy, but you know, getting, getting to know your team, what are their interests outside of work? What matters to them? And that's really, really pivotal, pivotal, um, bringing them together. I would purposely put individuals together that I knew didn't get along <laughs> once I really started doing this, but I would, I would put them together in group activities that I knew were connecting. So, you know, if I heard somebody complaining about someone and what they're doing, you know, where I could be an earshot, I would say, okay, they're in my brain. I would be like, okay, they're in the next connecting group activity because I know this person and I know this person and I know that they're both human and they're going, whatever they're going through in life because I got to know them personally as a leader, they get together and they recognize those human qualities within each other as well. And it, it just works. Because, and also what I noticed too is, you know, we could talk about data, we could go through P&Ls, we could do all sorts of financial analysis, talk about our initiatives for the quarter, whatever that may be. But what everybody was really impacted by in the meeting were the connecting activities that we would do, like the intention setting together. You know, what do you want to let go of? Write five things down that you want to let go of 
in the workplace or in your life today. We're gonna share them with each other and then we're gonna light them on fire in front of each other. And yeah. when, this, when the staff leaves, it's like, whoa. I mean, there's tears. They're, they heard what the other person wanted to let go of. Wow, I didn't know he was going through that. I'm gonna reach out to him and help him with this project. Whatever that is, you can throw all the data out the window from the meeting, productivity, profitability through the roof because everybody matters and everyone cares about each other. Yeah, it's uh, funny here uh, on my team, we have this little inside joke before when I was doing HR focused on um, employee relations, so more around terminations, it used to be you made people cry because you were like letting people go. Here, we focus on the experience when we create those connections and we do a team intervention and people are brought to tears and vulnerability. Like we'll leave and we'll be like, oh, I got three people to cry. Yes, it's like a, <laughs> it's like a achievement because of that level of vulnerability, especially when somebody can release in tears. And sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, as much as we're in that yellow phase, when we finally do release, like sometimes all we can do is is cry and be moved. And, and then what comes after is these beautiful connections that are so powerful that break down silos and, um, mm -hmm. and, and make things easier at work. It's just amazing what things kind of solve themselves when we're not obsessing with, um, with like how to work with each other because we have a trust that's there. So I love that it's those simple things. Um, mm -hmm. So you create, yeah, yeah, you're creating safety with with it. That's part of the polyvagal theory too I'm, I, that I'm sort of attached to my SQ practice. But yeah, creating safety, really huge. Yeah. Psych and they talk, you know, psychological safety in the workplace is huge. And how amazing is that? Creating a healing space in the workplace because really crying is just energy passing and leaving the body. And how cool is that, that you've provided that space in the workplace for people? Because we're at work a lot. <laughs> and as you just said, you probably noticed it's a win-win um, because they're more productive and the company is more profitable and they're more connected with each other. I think I, I've talked about this before, but Harvard Business Re Review came out with some data pre-COVID and they were saying that lonely workers leave their jobs within six months. Um, if you feel isolated or if you feel lonely, it's equivalent to smoking like 15 cigarettes a day. And it was, it was a huge data piece on loneliness in the workplace. And it was suggesting that, hey, people might not be burnt out because of their workload they actually might be burnt out because they feel lonely and isolated. Mm. And so like exactly what you were just saying, those things are gonna heal that in the workplace. Yeah, I just, I actually, that was um, a section that you had in your book and I like highlighted it all. I actually went to go read that research from the Harvard Business Review because it's so fascinating about mm. that loneliness component. And you actually have that in there quoted with a um, s'mores activity that when you were seeking feedback from your team of what to share. And I really appreciated that you said that you were hesitant about wanting to share it because um, it was so simplistic in nature. And I think in, in my, and this is the way it translated in Sam's brain, is thinking about how many simple times we're like, oh, if we're gonna do team bonding, you just gotta take them somewhere and feed them. But 
there's more intricacy that's involved that allowed that to be these really powerful moments for you, which we're seeing as you kind of talked about those critical components of connecting with people and building those relationships that allowed you to have this really powerful outcome when you're making s'mores and doing a bonfire. So I don't know if you want to share a little bit about that experience. Yeah, I I was hesitant to put that in the book because I was like, oh, this is so easy. Like people are going to be like, big deal, s'mores. But that was when it hit me that my employees were feeling lonely and isolated and bringing them together after a meeting around a bonfire and doing some s'mores. I mean, we had some cocktails too. We we don't want to tell HR that. I know I'm on an HR podcast. Just kidding. (laughs) I'm just joking. Um, But I had them bring their favorite quote that maybe they would carry through their life or a favorite passage or story that they would share. And when they shared it, they shared why, why this is important to me. Kind of a, we went around the, the bonfire and it, it was really cool because I realized it was a ritual we were doing and it was a really connecting ritual because some people did break down and released some energy in the form of crying. <laughs> and um, overwhelmingly, that was voted as one of their favorite activities. And so I would add to that as, as a leader in the workplace, something that simple. If you don't know where to start, have start there. Have everybody bring their favorite quote or their favorite passage and read it and share it and say why. And maybe COVID, you can't get around a bonfire right now, but you can do it on Zoom. Send everyone a little s'mores kit <laughs> in the mail to, you know, get creative. And uh, that's easy. That does, You're not having to work through the 21 skill sets of spiritual intelligence, although I highly recommend it. <laughs> but it's something that you can do right now. And if you're afraid to step forward or you don't know where to start, I think that's a good place to start. Because I wrote this book kind of in the back of my mind and it's a short little magical book for those executives and CEOs that don't have time and they just can grab something and you know look up an activity or use it as a jumping off point for their own creative activities but I really kept kind of that that (laughs) golf playing beer drinking you know guy with a good heart but just doesn't know where to start and and here's some stuff that you can do yeah. So, so I think, um, and knowing my listeners, they're probably all in on this and they know that this is what's missing and they want to incorporate and push, you know, as an HR practitioner, I want to coach my leaders to start embracing this and learning these kinds of skill sets. Yet I know that a lot of them do have, um, and we mentioned you talked about CEOs that maybe would not pick up your book and maybe <laughs> would be heavily resistant to this. And so, you know, any advice to that practitioner who wants to open these doors and work with people like you to have them work with their teams, um, but, you know, is trying to connect the dots and, and how do I have this conversation with my CEO that maybe can't see the value on these simplistic connections uh, because it doesn't translate to a direct bottom line hit, even though we know, we know Mm -hmm. you could remove these variables and we know that it will make less productive people, but because Mm -hmm. it's not a direct tie, um, you know, how do you help them go in 
to, number one, overcome their fear, because I know there's fear associated with, am I going to look stupid trying to pitch something like this? But then also, number two, like, what are, what are the words I say? Or where do I go? Do you have resources that I should use to kind of built up my case for um, helping helping the worker? Because that's really what this all comes down to, is helping these people. So if you have a team already, start with your team because the proof will be in the pudding, <laughs> you know, with your team. So you'll, they'll, they'll start, what's going on with that? That's what happened with me. What's, oh my gosh, Amy's team, they're so engaged. They're, you know, this is what working on SQ does. It gives you less stress, less ego-induced drama in the workplace. It gives you highly engaged employees, and it also helps employees work harder towards the company mission. So start with your own team and people will start recognizing that. What's going on over there with Sam's team? Wow, they're like really engaged. And start with the easy activities. You don't have to make it all crazy and complicated. To That's the cool thing about it, to connect with someone. It, you might have that feeling in your stomach like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna try this and be vulnerable. That's the hard part. <laughs> but who cares? Like, what are you gonna lose? You're not gonna get fired for asking everyone to share a gratitude piece before a meeting. You're not yeah. gonna, you know, the only fear that you have is that protective layer that you have around you that you just need to remove and get into that green space and just try it. If people laugh at you, great. Laughter is a great stress reliever. So you did a great job as a leader. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I do recommend, you know, Okay, so Ariana Huffington just came out with an article talking about wartime CEOs. She just came out with it a couple days ago. And it was all about how they're having to react to what's going on in the workplace right now. And uh, there were a lot of references to leaders taking on all the work to try to give their employees a break. And mm -hmm. that they were doing it wrong. That that wasn't compassion that might be empathy because you're taking it all on and then you're getting burnt out as a leader. So again, I circle back to working on the SQ21 skills yourself because then you can understand how to make compassionate and wise decisions that with boundaries where you're doing things that don't burn you out and sacrificing yourself as a leader with your employees. Because at the end of the day, if you're in a high position in a company, you're getting paid for your judgment, not your stamina, right? And so we need you to make good decisions for the masses that are under your decision-making charge. <laughs> so, you know, I, I say stop running around and burning yourself out and overdoing it. Most people have a good heart and want to do the right thing. But developing these skill sets really helps you give you kind of a guide on how to do that without killing yourself. Yeah. I, I, I you said this so simplistically, but I'm pretty sure that it sent waves through, will be sending waves through the listeners because I know it sent it through me. You know, you are hired for your judgment, not your stamina. And I can't tell you how many of me and my HR friends are functioning from a place of trying to sustain stamina. And I know that's what triggered 
my spiritual journey five years ago um, mm-hmm. that brings me to a place where I'm fully appreciative of the work that you're doing, Amy, because, um, but it took me burning myself out and running my body into the ground for me to be, and I'm still healing. I'm still trying to undo what I did to my body for 10 years, um, mentally, physically, and spiritually, because uh, I just beat it up because I thought that that was my job was to do everything. Um, and we are taught with this philosophy of being a HR department of one, you know, HR is there to care for the people. And it's not just you, there's the leaders that are the extension of you and doing this work. It's not you doing all the cultural development work. That's impossible. You know, one person does not do that. It is being the guide and and help making it stronger. So I, I love that you put that nice, powerful reminder there. And, and going back to how we started, the spiritual, the SQ definition is about maintaining peace uh, within and around you. Um, during any situation. I mean, gosh, Mm -hmm. hefty goal, but I would love to have that on an ongoing basis. (laughs) Yeah. And, and the other, so there's a couple of thoughts I have on that. It, the system that we are placed in needs to change. The system that we're working in needs to change. It's a very old, and I'm just going to say it, it's a very old patriarchal system. And it still has energy vibes of encouraging burnout as a badge of honor. It's changing, it's changing, but there's still that underlying feeling. And as it's changing, you also have this underlying feeling of guilt if you want to rest. But the the funny part about it is rest is productive because back to what I said, we're paying you for your judgment. So we have all of these data-driven executives but then they're turning their head on the data that actually shows you can be more productive, more creative, more innovative, more inspirational when you feel rested. And then I bounce to the the pyramid, right? PQ, physical intelligence. You have to have that at the bottom of your foundation. If you don't have any sleep, if you're burnt out, if you're hungry, if you're not well taken care of, how are you gonna access your higher self? How are you gonna access your SQ? That's at the top of the pyramid. I mean, that, that's, that's a tough thing if you're not handling your physical intelligence. So I just yeah. had a couple of comments on what you were saying with that because it's so no, important. No, I mean, that makes 100% sense. And I love how you positioned it in the Maslow's hierarchy because we are familiar with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to climb it like a ladder. And if you're not taking care of the base, like you're never going to get to this place, which is where we all, I know I want to be at. So, um getting those things. And I, I agree with you. I think in, in 2020 was very much a gift in the fact of calling out the way we do work is not the way that it has to be in the future. And let's seize the opportunity to do it differently and make some new norms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The, the other piece with that article that I was referencing was it, there was a study recently done that 76% of American workers are burnt out or they report feeling burnt out right now. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna give my opinion. It's not a data fact or anything, but I suspect that's because obviously quarantine and we're patching in through Zoom, which can be exhausting. So how can we connect with that? That would be a question a leader can use their creative side and access their green to do that. Obviously my book gives you some ideas on how to do that. 
And that's just a jumping off point for you because everyone has their own answers from within. Yeah, I love I love that. So um, as with all of these episodes, the time goes by way too quickly. And I I can't uh, endorse Amy's book more because it is a great little tool. I also highly encourage you, obviously all this contact info will be in the show notes, but follow her on LinkedIn. Before our episode, I was engaging with her on LinkedIn and she just had, she has these great little video nuggets, the one that you did on journaling and calling out how self-help is kind of like overwhelming us because everyone knew there was a need in 2020 and really the answer for your own care is within you. I I needed that that day when you posted that video. So I was very grateful for you that day. but before we go, you have any last uh, words for the listeners or anything you want to share? Um, I would say just start kind of going back to what you and I were talking about earlier in our conversation. If you feel that feeling in your stomach, like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. That means you should do it. Fear is a compass sometimes, <laughs> unless a lion's chasing you. <laughs> um, so, so follow that gut feeling and be courageous and try something new with your team and see what happens. I promise you, you'll be fine and you'll be happy with the results. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Fear is a compass and it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. And I will also say, oh, I know when you talked about laughter, sometimes laughter is the, it's the gateway to showing that there's discomfort and so you really are making a huge impact. And if you just stick with it, even if it's awkward that first time, I've had lots of people laugh initially, and then those are when we do those really powerful rituals that all of a sudden they're crying at the end of it. So Mm -hmm. don't back away because there's laughter. Like that means there's discomfort, you're pushing, they're growing. Um, So it's, you know, laughter is 100% healthy, but it's also (laughs) a clue that you might be on the right track. So I, yeah. So thank you, Amy. This has been a great, this has been an awesome treat and full of so many uh, awesome things that I'm so glad that I was able to share with the listeners. And um, anytime you want to come back and share any of your new knowledge uh, on SQ or how you're applying it or seeing it evolve in the workplace, we'd be happy to have you back on the podcast. Um, And thank you so much to the listeners for tuning into this episode. And if you liked it, loved it, make sure you leave a review on your favorite listening platform. That's the best way to share this episode with the world and to give it more traction and to help work like Amy's continue and grow. Uh, So I will talk to you next week. Thank you. Create Magic at Work fills a void for individuals who may feel isolated and exhausted from loneliness in the workplace. Connection within a team doesn't happen by accident. It happens with intention. Learn some practical rituals which elevate emotional and spiritual intelligence, EQ and SQ, thereby elevating employee morale and profitability. This magical book contains field-tested activities that leaders and coaches can utilize to ignite authentic connection with their clients, teams, or employees. The time is now to apply these practices so we can all thrive as human beings. Order at Amazon or get the ebook at creativemagicatwork.net slash book.